Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Helen Tuffer. And I'm Sarah Ellis. And you're listening to the Squiggly Craze podcast, where each week we talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss practical ideas and actions to help you find your way through all of our increasingly squiggly world of work. And this week we are going to be talking about how to take control of your learning at work. It is a topic that it must be one of the things we are most passionate about, Sarah. Like, I feel like we talk about learning all the time. Like, what are we learning? How can people learn? How can we help people to learn? So it isn't a brand new topic on the Squiggly Quiz podcast. So we haven't... I was searching on that Overcast app that helps you work out what podcast you've actually published. And I was like, have we done one with learning in the title? It turns out we haven't. So have we not? <laughs> no, I know. I was surprised. I was like, we must have done one with learning At in some the point, I'm convinced we're going to run out of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well... We've touched on this one three times, but it's not in the title. So just in case you are equally as passionate about learning as Sarah and I, in this podcast, we've got a framework. Hooray, everybody that likes a framework, we've got a framework. And then we've got some specific things to help you to really think about starting your learning and staying with it and sticking. So that's kind of the structure of today's podcast. But if you want to dive a bit deeper into the other areas that we've touched on on learning before, episode 69 was on DIY career development. So we touched on it a bit there. And then we did episode 102, which Sarah interviewed Scott Morrison about how to teach yourself. And then most recently, in episode 198, we talked about how to develop your transferable skills. So if you really want to dive deep into learning, then start with this podcast and then 69, 102 and 198 for all of your learning listening. <laughs> so let's start by thinking about why we thought this would be a good topic to talk about right now. And I think in the context of our careers at the moment, and we're recording this at the very end of February 2021, I think a lot of people will have lots of uncertainty around where they are in their career, what might happen next. Lots of people's plans, as much as we can plans, are kind of probably gone out the window. And we were thinking your progression in some other ways might be staying still at the moment or you might feel like it's stalled or you're just not sure about how you're going to progress right now. You know, you might think, well, now's not the time to take a massive leap for lots of reasons. But learning is one of those things that you always have control over. Your own learning and how you can progress through your learning, I think, is something you can always come back to and I think feel really anchored by, actually. And there's a lot of evidence that when we're learning, we're also happier. I think we're motivated by the ability to learn, by feeling like we're getting better at something. So it feels like it's perhaps not a bad time after, let's face it, what has been quite a tough start to the year. You know, oh, hasn't it? spring is in the air. <laughs> I've got daffodils on my 
<laughs> in my kitchen. And there are a couple of great quotes from people um, who work, actually, we both really admire. So Cal Newport, who talks a lot about time and spending your time on the right things, he says, the more skilled you become, the more opportunities you'll begin to notice for high impact work. And essentially what he's saying is like, the better you get, the more you can do the things that you just really enjoy and that feel really meaningful. And I also find it really interesting that Reid Hoffman, who is the founder of LinkedIn, and I always think more importantly, the author, co-author of actually one of the first career development books I read that I thought, oh, wow, wow. this is <laughs> this is something that really relates to me in terms of something that I'm really passionate about because it's very practical. And he actually talks about when he's recruiting anyone new or investing in startups, and he does a lot of investing, that one of the unique characteristics he looks for is this idea of an infinite learning curve. And by that, he wants to work with individuals who can keep learning new skills, adapting to new areas, and basically just always learning. They kind of have that work in progress mindset continually driving them. I think we get why this is important for us all individually, but I think probably also more broadly with the perspective of our careers, it's important too. So we're going to do this in two parts. The first part, we're going to try and bring to life a framework (laughs) over a podcast, but it's a structure basically for a learning plan. It's a way of really focusing your efforts and energy on something that you want to learn, but to also squeeze the most amount of learning opportunity out that you can. You know, sometimes we default to going, oh, I want to learn this thing I'll go on a course this is the exact opposite to that this is like <laughs> I want to learn this thing so how can I learn it in everywhere at any time so we've got a model for you to help you squeeze learning out for whatever it is you want to know more about and then we asked our Instagram community for what questions they had about learning and as I was reading through all the comments it seemed to be about where do I start how do I stay committed to my learning and how do I make the things that I'm learning stick. So once we've gone through the model, we will go through starting, staying and sticking at your learning as some sort of practical ideas for action for you to take away. So maybe, Sarah, if I just talk through the model first of all, and then Sarah and I are going to sort of take it in turns a bit for you to talk through each bit of the model. So the model is called the 4E Learning Plan. It has got four parts to it and each part begins with E. So that's that's the name. And the four E's are experience. So learning through the things that you do. Exposure. So learning through the things that you're exposed to and the people you're exposed to, really. Education. Bit formal there. So kind of what you're formally learning. And then the last thing is about experimentation, what you're trying out for the first time. So Sarah and I will go through each one of those to just bring it to life a little bit and make it more practical for you. But before we do, and before you start any kind of learning plan, really, the first thing it needs to start with is like an objective, like something that you really want to learn. Like learning isn't just this generic, I just want to learn lots. That's a, I mean, that's a lovely spirit. That's a lovely intention, but it's hard to make it stick or know where to start if you haven't got something you really want to learn in mind. So maybe let's start with the things that we're focused on this year, Sarah, because I bet we could use those to bring the model to life. So one thing that I want to learn about this year, it's a bit of an evolution, actually. So last year, I was really focused on how do I become a better CEO? I am still focused on that. But this year, I'm also focused on how to both grow our business, but improve it at the same time. So I'm trying to like, how do we get better and grow quicker, which is an interesting little conflict, that one. So I'm trying to learn from lots of these different things we're about to talk about, about how do we grow quicker and grow better at the same time? 
<laughs> That's so different to mine. <laughs> Go on, then, Sarah. What's, what's yours? <laughs> I'd just like to state for the record that obviously that I'm interested in that too. Mine is much more, I think, both selfish and specific, which is I want to improve my listening skills. I think I might have even mentioned it on the podcast before, but I read a really interesting book about listening by a lady called Kate Murphy. I think it's called Why We're Not Listening and kind of almost like what then to do about it. And one of the things that she said that really struck a chord, and I've read it in a few places now since, is around sometimes if you are quite a reflective person who kind of spends time in their own head, which I definitely do, and you're introverted, sometimes people assume that introverts are must be better listeners. But actually, when you're nervous or perhaps under pressure, it's when your listening skills can kind of go out the window. And I really recognise that in myself, like when I'm meeting people for the first time or if I'm sort of not sure where a conversation might go or perhaps I feel a bit out of control, I become, certainly on the surface, people would, if that was their only experience of me, they would just say that she's a real extrovert because <laughs> I end up talking a lot and not listening that much. Whereas once you know me, I think it changes my skill set. So it's a very specific thing, but I notice it show up and whether it's when I'm coaching someone perhaps for the first session together or whether it's I'm meeting someone who might like to work with us for the first time or just generally like in normal everyday conversation. I think that's it's one of those skills and I've read something about how it's we often overestimate our own listening skills and I don't think it's given much time and attention by individuals or organisations. So I find it interesting for myself but I also find it interesting for then the work that we do. It's very different to yours. It's very different but I think we both really care about those things like you really care about being a better listener I really care about how do we grow bigger and better at the same time and I think that's also the point with that learning objective that you start with learning takes time like everything we're about to talk to you about you're going to have to use that time for learning that you probably would have spent on something else whether it's about doing day-to-day tasks or whether it's about sitting on a sofa watching Netflix you are going to have to consciously spend some time learning and so I think making sure it is something you care about is a really important start so yeah point one find something you care about that you want to learn and know what that is before you start building a learning plan around it. So we're going to start with this model on the first E. And the reason that we're starting with the E for experience is because it is the thing that you should really spend the most time on with your learning. This is about on the job, hands on experience, actively doing the work, getting close to this thing that you want to learn, or at least as close to a version of it as possible. So for example, if one of the things you want to do is to learn to be a better coach, you're not probably instantly going to start coaching people. Maybe you might start observing other coaches or getting coached yourself, but it's about how do you get closer to this so that you can try things out and get better and learn by doing. And I think a really helpful thing here is not to just go, well, I learn by doing all the time. Like if I want to get better at presenting, I'm just going to start presenting more because then I don't think you really engage with the learning that you're doing. You're not conscious of the progress you're making or the improvement that you're getting through the activity you're doing. So I think when you're thinking about, okay, I know what I want to learn and the biggest way that I'll learn is through getting kind of hands-on learning with it. I think you have to be really clear on this of what is the from And what is the two? Like, where are you today in terms of your skill set? And where do you want to get to? So as an example, 
I used to write for a publication called Marketing Week. And before I wrote for Marketing Week, I'd never written for anything that actually got published. Like I used to write on our blog and I used to write that on the train. I remember I'd be like, oh, I've not done a blog this week. So I'd write it on my phone and like put it live and all kinds of bad things. Typos, quality. When we migrated our website, we unfortunately lost a few of those early <laughs> posts. But when I started to write for Marketing Week, I was really clear about what my from and my to was in terms of me becoming a better writer. So like, for example, from not writing anything at all that any was published by anybody else to 12 articles a year I really wanted as becoming a better writer for me went regularly publishing something so that was like a moment of clarity for me I'm going to get experience by regularly publishing an article another thing that I wanted to do was rather than just me and Sarah and maybe one of our friends reading it I wanted to have more people that were reading my thoughts about career development that's what I wrote about marketing week unsurprisingly and so I wanted to get from you know a small number of people to a couple of hundred people reading my work and I was really clear about the experience I want to get is more regularly publishing my work and getting more feedback on the quality of the work that I'm doing. And that was why I engaged, for example, in that particular activity, because it helped me meet those learning objectives. And I think so often with experience, I think the mistake that we make, and actually I think it's a really big opportunity for all of us, is when we say kind of learn on the job, we make the assumption that that means turning up to do our jobs. And that this learning is going to happen naturally as a result. And I don't think it does. I think it takes intentional effort. And there is a brilliant article by a guy called David Erickson. He's the, one of the founders of Hyper Island. And the article's called Doing by Learning. And we'll include that link in the podcast notes for today. But I'd really encourage you to read it. Like It was one of those, you know, sometimes you read something that stops you in your tracks just because it is so considered and thoughtful and really he's created their whole hyper island model based on even though you're going to something that would have been traditionally quote unquote like education they very much designed it to be an experience based model so kind of experiential learning so I think just like thinking about okay so what does this mean in terms of what I'm actually turning up to do in my day job does it mean a bit of role redesign a bit of job crafting I think some of what if you listen to what Helen just described some of that was also thinking about outcomes. So how do you know you're getting the experience that you're looking for? Helen got some very clear metrics that help you to kind of track your progress. But I think it's almost about really thinking about what do you spend? Like what does a week in the life of you look like at the moment? And then how does that work alongside the learning objective that you've identified? I don't know whether you'll agree with this, Helen, because we've not chatted about this. But of the four E's, I think this is the hardest. Because I, I do. just don't think we're I used agree. to it. It's doing the it. hardest, but it's the most meaningful. Like, yeah. I was thinking about your from and to being a better listener. Like you have to say, well, where am I today? Like if I'm going to learn on the job or th at least through my job to become a better listener, then I've got to admit where I am today. I don't think that's easy for everyone. I've got to say, actually, I've got some gaps today and I've got to be self-aware enough to be like, where's my starting point? And then you've got to work out, well, ultimately, where do I want to get to? And maybe how do I do something this week or this month or this year? Like what's that activity look like that gets me closer to where I want to get to? I think it does take a lot more reflection, this experience one, but it's so important because to the point we'll come on to about sticky learning, this is sticky learning. Learning by doing and sometimes getting it right and sometimes doing it wrong is one of the biggest ways that you will make learning last. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So the next E is exposure. And exposure could sound like one of those words where you think, oh, no, that doesn't sit very comfortably with me. But essentially what this means is who or what are you getting exposed to that's going to support your learning? And I think particularly the who. So you know, who are your mentors? What communities are you part of? What networks are you learning from? This could be one other person. This could be 300 other people. And you'll know what works best for you. And I think when you start to get to exposure, this is when, and we talked about this idea of DIY learning, start to really think, how do you learn the best? So for some people, they learn the best in kind of big groups and listening to lots of people's thoughts and perspectives. Some people learn a lot better in more of a kind of one-to-one way. So I think when you're thinking about, maybe this, my starting point for this would always be, well, who's the best at this? That would just be my natural... <laughs> that would be a Sarah thing Yeah, to I'd do. be like, right. So when I'm thinking about listening, I'm like, right, who are brilliant listeners? And I sort of come at that from two perspectives. One, you know, who's doing really interesting work or research? Who are the real thought leaders around listening? Kind of how can I understand the topic more so that then I can apply that to myself? And then also, who are just the natural listeners in our world? So... Yeah, that might be spending time with people perhaps who've trained in counselling. I think I've always been like this actually with my learning. I want to learn from the best of the best. I find that very inspiring. And I think it works for me because actually I don't ever have a problem with, it doesn't ever make me feel bad. You know, sometimes if you do that, the inclination can be to think, oh, that's just reminded me just what I can't do. And it can encourage that comparison that we know is not helpful but that is never my starting point so for me it works really well to go right learn from the best where are they who are they yeah how can I spend time with them and that's always my starting point so the third e is for education and this is really about more formal learning so this is like taking a topic like scaling a business or learning to listen or becoming a better presenter and then finding out stuff that has been published that's a bit more formal that might help you with your learning but I think one of the mistakes that we can make here is we can sometimes default to going on a course and I definitely did this earlier in my career partly because it's sort of easy to google something and be like oh I want to learn about presenting I'll go on that course and 
job is done and also because sometimes I think there's a bit of validation in that stuff you know when you do like a course and you're yeah, like I mean oh, who doesn't love a certificate I mean <laughs> yeah, we've both quite a few haven't we of these certificates <laughs> and that's the thing but I don't think that that always makes learning really meaningful like I don't think we should think about learning being something that we once we've got a qualification we just stop doing and so I think both of us have evolved whilst we still like certificates and we both still like courses we recognize that that is not the only part of education and we are far more likely now to focus on how you create a curriculum rather than just go on a course and curating a curriculum our starting point when we think about this so when there's a topic that we want to learn about we will think about well what's something that we can read what's some things that we can watch and what is something that we can listen to. And so maybe there are some book recommendations, maybe there are some like online courses or TED Talks and also what podcasts or audio books, whatever it is, can we immerse ourselves in to give you a really good starting point? And then even then when you say, I want to go on a course, maybe there is a course you want to go on or someone you want to learn from, you've got the knowledge to make that decision because you've read their book. Like Reid Hoffman, Sarah and I would love to learn with Reid Hoffman. (laughs) But we know that because we've listened to him on a podcast about Master of Scale, we've read his work, we've watched what he shares. Like he, for us, is a really inspirational person that we would love to learn from. And going on a course with Reid Hoffman would be well worth our time because we'd spent a lot of time curating our curriculum around what he's shared. But it doesn't have to be. I think sometimes courses can be really expensive and there are a lot of MOOCs. So, um, you know, things Helen, like... Helen, what's a MOOC? Lots of people won't oh, know what a MOOC is. sorry, everyone. Uh, Mass Open Online Course. I mean, it's not a very nice word or it's a really very not, nice is acronym, it? is it? Mass Open Online Course. But there are so many of them. So, like, you know, Skillshare being one of them. Udemy, there are honestly, there are so many MOOCs. And I think actually just listening to you there, Helen, what you've just described as well is I think because there's almost so much out there now that's like free and lots of it is quite low cost, I think you also have to start to work out your trusted sources because you should definitely try new stuff out too. But you have to know, well, like if this company is bringing me this program or if this organisation or individual is writing something... Do I almost like trust the quality of what I'm going to get? And you always want to leave some space for discovery. But like one of the things, for example, that we've done a few times is the How To Academy. But I also go on How To Academy courses. I've never been disappointed. I think they suit me in terms of they're often not super practical. That's not really their vibe. I'm I'm actually not sure we're their vibe, really. (laughs) I think they are more intellectual. They're just interesting. They're very conversational. They're very explorative. You don't leave with ideas for action, but I do enjoy the way that they curate people and the way that they kind of present content. And it's always quite short and stuff. So I just go, oh, that's a trusted source for me. So I do think with there's so much stuff out there, try and build up your own list of like trusted sources. I was thinking actually reminds me like Guardian Masterclass. That's another thing that we've done those sessions on. But every time I go on the Guardian Masterclass list, I'm like, oh, wow, there's so, does everybody oh, know about these? Of those. <gasps> they're so, they're everything from how you write, like negotiation with like a conflict expert. There's so many interesting programs. What we're going to do, when I say we, 
what I am going to do in yeah. the, when, in, when this podcast comes out is I'm going to do a bit of an experiment with like a crowdsourced curriculum. So I'm going to try and take the 10 topics that our Squiggly Careers community want to learn about. And then I am going to ask our community to crowdsource a read, watch and listen to list. If you want to be part of this social experiment on uh, crowdsourcing a curriculum, then I'm going to do all of that at Amazing If on Instagram. So I'll probably start sharing them on Wednesday. This podcast comes out on the Tuesday and I will share it on the Wednesday. So head over there if you want to be part of it. And then the last D is experimentation, which I guess links to that first one in terms of experience. But I think what we're talking about specifically here is how can you test and learn and play actually in quite a low pressure way. So I think when we're talking about experience, really we're talking about opportunities in your job. And that's not always that low pressure. And maybe there's not as much freedom or as much space sometimes to just try different things. And sometimes your day job is not the first place that you always want to start experimenting. So as you start to learn, if you want to try something out, think about where could you do that or how could you do that? Could you do that with someone else who's learning the same thing that you are? Could you do it in kind of the safest way that you can in your day job? So perhaps with someone you really trust or part of a team meeting where people know that you're learning something and you just say, oh, I'm just going to try this thing out. And you let people know and you know that people will be really open to you doing that. But I just think about it. Actually, it links back to one of the things that Jim Collins, who I interviewed earlier this year, talks about is this idea of we sort of have to be doing all these little mini experiments all of the time, because that's how we know sort of what works for us and what doesn't. Because that's the point with experiments we have to be comfortable with. The point of experimenting is sometimes they just won't work out. I was thinking a few examples, actually, just to bring it to life. Like, so for listening, I know Sarah actually knows this one, but a way that you could experiment with like a listening thing, a listening learning thing would be uh, to do an interruption audit, which is where you start to track like how many interruptions you do and why you're doing them and when you do them. And that would just be something to experiment with and see what you learned. Let's say you wanted to improve in presenting. One of the things that you could experiment with is um, different software, for example. Maybe you think, oh, I'm going to experiment with no slides. Should I just present with no slides? Or you might experiment with some software like there's this thing called Mm-hmm. That's a genuine product. I find it hard to say every time I say it, but you might just try out a software, a way of presenting differently. Or for me, so that my learning objective this year is all about obviously kind of growing and improving as we grow. I'm trying out this 15 minute peer mentoring thing where I basically have super short peer mentoring conversations. So I learn from somebody else who's got a similar objective to me, but it's really quick. So they have a problem they're trying to solve 15 minutes. I have a problem I'm trying to solve 15 minutes. And we just take 15 minutes to basically share what we know and any other resources that we've heard about as like a really quick way of learning so we can actually do it and we do it every fortnight as a way of kind of squeezing into our week and I don't know if that's going to stick but I'm going to try it out and see and that's the point really you don't have a lot of expectation on experimentation you're just trying it out to see what sticks and I think you could probably look at experimentation two ways you could look at experimenting with the learning kind of what you're trying to learn and you could experiment with how you like to learn so you might go well I'm going to run some experiments on well, what is the difference between going to something where I'm sitting and listening quite passively for 45 minutes? Does that actually really work for me because I can sit and relax and enjoy it? Or actually, do I want to be part of something more active than that? So I think you could look at this from experiment with the what or experiment with the how. You don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the what either. 
So should we just briefly talk about this idea of starting, staying and sticking? So we've kind of gone through that 4E model. And the way that I think you can do that is start with your learning objective at the center. So if you're kind of visualizing that, your learning objective at the center, and then just go through for yourself and think experience, exposure, education, experimentation, and a couple of bullet points for each one, a couple of thoughts for each one. And I would really encourage you actually to only have one, maybe two learning objectives, because I think any more than that, we kind of spread ourselves too thinly and don't end up making the progress that we're hoping for. But I think if you go through each of those, you start to realize, actually, you move from quite a big learning objective that can feel hard. And it would be really easy in three months time to look back and think, I'm no further forward than I was when I first thought about this. And this starts to, unsurprisingly for us, gets uh, very practical quite quickly. So if you're thinking about, right, where do I start? How do I stay with it? How do I really make sure that learning sticks? Just a few thoughts on kind of each of those for you. And Helen and I actually had a debate on this first one already. (laughs) And we were like, this is meant to be like the quick end section of the podcast. But where do you start with your learning? And I don't think we disagree. I just think we both straight away in our brain started from different places. So yeah, Helen, where would you start with your with your learning? I would start, like if I was thinking, oh my God, I'm really busy, I've got loads on and everything's happening and I've got to put learning into my day, where do I start? And there's lots to learn. I would start with what is something that I enjoy because I want to have energy for it because I've got to fit it into my already quite, you know, full-on working week. So at least I want the thing that I'm spending time on to be something that gives me energy. My first thing would be, what do I love to learn then I'd get into like, how can I learn it? But I'd start with what's enjoyable. And what about you? Yeah, do you know what? It's funny. I think this is the exact opposite of our personalities because I think if I just did what I love to learn, I would just spend all of my time learning and I don't know if it would help me for my job at all. But so, I think it does. In dis- in, it I don't does, think it always have to be obvious. Like the yeah, things yeah, you're know. right. You're right. And I think that's wider curiosity, which we talk about. But my starting point actually is usually, is it relevant to my role? I, I do. So I, actually, I actually do. I get. I get. I'm, yeah, I'm sort of harsh on myself. I'm like, right. I think it's because my number one value is achievement. I'm competitive, and I want to do a brilliant job. And I think what is going to help me be even better at my job. That's my starting point. Whereas you'll think, how am I going to have fun? Yeah, I, and I, you know, I can see that. I mean, not everyone really knows, but obviously, we've known each other for every twenty years, and I can see that in our learning decisions that we've made, like what we've learned and when. I think has been driven by that difference. Like I've been like, where's a really nice social group that I can join around this learning thing? And you've been like, but seriously, what is going to help me right now that I can actually use? So there you go. But I think probably combining those two things and you'd get the best of both worlds. There you go. That's the advantage of having two people on a podcast, isn't it? (laughs) So the next thing then, so we talked about where do you start, whether you start a bit more with Sarah or a bit more with me, then how do you stay with it? So, you know, you found this thing that you want to learn and now you've got to stick at it, even though you've got loads of other stuff going on. One thing I would say is we've done a podcast on grit, which I think is very relevant to this point, but I don't want to repeat all of that stuff, but that podcast on grit would be a good listen if you find sticking or staying with things that you want to learn hard. But a couple of ideas for action that we've got here. The first be learn with some other people. Like if you can learn with people that you like spending time with, that makes the whole experience so much better. And when I say like spending time with, that might be because... I don't know, you do a book club and it involves wine and chat. You don't have to like the people, but you just have to like that community. So it's just put a community around the thing that you want to learn and that can often create a sense of commitment to it that can be really helpful. 
the other thing is have a learning log so when you're learning something like almost track down like what you've learned and how it's useful and then it's quite helpful to look back on that and you can see how much progress that you've made and we get quite attached it's a bit like gamifying your learning a little bit like create your own little learning badges that helps us to stick at things that we want to get done for longer periods of time so that would be some of the things that I would suggest And then on sticking, two things I think we both find really useful. I think we're really fortunate that with a lot of what we learn, we then apply it by sharing it with other people. (laughs) Yeah, we've a job of learning. (laughs) Yeah, essentially we have, which is dreamy, isn't it? So anything that you can do to share your learning with someone else, I mean, this can be just having a chat with someone where you're going, oh, I'm doing this thing and it's really interesting. We kind of talk about this idea of each one teach one. So if you can not only learn for yourself, but think about, well, who else would be interested in this? How could this be useful for other people in your team, in your organisation, your friends? Honestly, it doesn't matter because there is something about taking what you're learning from one place. And then if you're sharing it, you have to, I think, go a step further in terms of processing it, understanding it, putting it into your own world and in your own words because that's what I think we do all the time is I go, well, I've, we try to take the leading work on a certain topic and then I'll think, do I understand? Like which bits, <laughs> which bits don't I understand? How might this work? How does this work for me in my world? So I think that thing about your world and your words and then sharing that with someone else is such a brilliant way to make your learning stick. If you can do visuals, if you can do mind maps, and I know loads of people do this and I have seen some incredible examples of these. Somebody once came on a leadership program that I was running Every week, she didn't tell me she was doing this, but she shared them at the end. She'd been doing these like incredible mind maps that then she turned into coasters. It was insane. They were so good and she was such a good drawer. And we draw in our courses. Those drawings are average, sometimes at best, to be honest. And she was, A, just her drawings were beautiful, but also she just visually brought all the content to life, all the bits that really kind of stuck for her. And so I think... Whether you draw, whether you write words, whether you do bullets, but I think something that stops that learning just kind of being in your head and, again, makes it real through writing, visuals, etc., definitely helps that learning to last longer. There are a few things, actually, I've learned why I really regret not doing this because I think I just didn't quite create the time or the capacity, and then I think I've I've sort of lost quite a lot of it. I think I'm actually going to go and revisit some of those things because I remember really enjoying it. I remember finding it really useful, but I couldn't actually repeat it. And I think that's, it's really interesting. Like, how do you make that learning last for your memory? It kind of creates connections and anchors, I think, in your brain by doing this. So definitely have a go with that. My best example of this, and this person sets a really high bar for visual learning. I stalk this person a little bit, I'll be really honest. So on Instagram, I don't know him. I will know him at some point. Jeremy Connell Waite, who is the communication... Oh, Sarah, you'll love him. Communication designer at IBM. He does these amazing summaries of books he's read. He did, you know, the inauguration speech and the amazing poet at Joe Biden's like yes, inauguration. Yeah, yeah. He did this amazing visual analysis of her speech, which looked at the words that she said, the cadence. I mean, he makes it beautiful. Like, mm. I mean, he is not 
he's like this really high benchmark but I'm going to put a picture of some of his maybe that speech actually I'll put a picture if you go to amazingif.com on the podcast page that supports this podcast so that'll be episode 201 I think I'll put a picture on there for you and then I'll also put a link to Jeremy's LinkedIn profile which is where I know him from as an example of an, someone who takes a concept and then creates this visual that makes it sticky I mean it is I thought you were going to say about um Liz and Molly who are also great oh, wait, actually do you know what Liz and Molly are also great let's put both of those I'll put both of those on the website because I think Liz and Molly are brilliant because their stuff is super simple like they take yeah. massive complex things and they put it into two images that are very yeah. simple Jeremy takes massive complex things and creates a complex visual it's opposite mm. ends but oh, good to, it good both to compare and sticky. oh yeah absolutely i'm quite excited about putting those together for people <laughs> so yeah we'll do all of that so i'll put the links to the post on our website i'll put that in the description for this podcast so that you can find that there and if you've got any other examples maybe you do this like i know some people have messaged us about things when they've read our book and they've sent us some things so if you do this do share like your mind maps and visual things with us because we love to see them they inspire us too you can email us Helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com we would absolutely love to see them and if you again if you want to be part of that crowdsource curriculum we'll do that at amazing if on instagram and the week that this podcast goes out we will also do a pod plus so on thursday at 9 a.m the week this podcast is out we will spend 30 minutes talking and diving even deeper into the topic of learning if you want to do that with some like-minded learners maybe that can be part of what makes this sticky for you so thank you so much for listening today. I hope it's been helpful and we'll be back with you next week talking about another topic. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 